You are listening to Normalized Crime, an in-depth look at gang life and all the effects that come along with it. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Normalized Crime. I'm Eric. Birdo here. And as we discussed on the last episode, Birdo, I did a little research on the internet and I found an article that I believe should be from your time frame. So um, most of this article, if I, I will put this article link in the notes if anybody wants in the show notes, if anybody wants to read the article, but just be aware that most of this article is about the failures of the judicial system more so than about the actual Latin Kings or anything like that. So this article talks about a gentleman named Armando Berrigan. And from what I can understand, this person is still on the run today, was was arrested numerous times, and they just, for whatever reason, were never able to keep him in custody. And he's still on the run to this day. Does that sound right? Do you know who this person is to preface? Uh, his name rings a bell. Uh, <laughs> his name rings a bell, okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. You may have heard yeah, of him. <laughs> yeah, I might know him. No, yeah, I know Mondi, man. What well, I call him Mondi. Um, that's everybody knew him as. And uh, yeah, he's still on the run. He's uh, he's pretty elusive. But yeah, I know him, man. I knew him for a long time. I went to middle school with him, and and ended up we ended up being uh, kings. And and uh, throughout, you know, my own stories I've shared with Gavin, I've explained, you know, at one point in time he was actually the Inca, and I was the Casinka of our chapter. So we had a lot of constant communication, and uh, know him really well. I think I told you last week I was actually with him. The day before I got indicted, um, we were bowling. And so, you know, I, I got a pretty good relationship with him. And, and I think, um, you know, I think I know the article you're talking about. And, you know, I feel like a, some of it is fluff, you know, as far as when they get into, you know, kind of personally assassinating them. And, uh, and, and maybe we'll go over some of that as well. Okay. Well, I'm going to just jump into, I went through this article and I just highlighted the things that I felt like really talked about things that you would have knowledge of so um the first thing that comes up and we're going to probably get into more detail on these but this is just kind of the preface to the article so it's kind of outlining some of the things that's going to talk about and we'll go into further detail on them into the article but basically says that are my i'm going to call him mondi because that's way easier so i can yeah, totally see why you called him that yeah that was, uh, <laughs> that was the only thing i knew him as <laughs> <laughs> so Mondi started young, shooting up a van of rival gang members at age 14, and eight months later, a, he attacked a Milwaukee police officer and tried to grab his gun. Does any of this sound familiar? Wow, what an animal, right? Now, <laughs> listen, now, you know, I understand, right? I mean, first of all, like to bring some, bring a little bit of, shed a bit of light on this this article. I think I remember it pretty well. The article was designed at this time to to kind of relight the fire to find in mind, right? Because there had been a lot of pressure, I guess, on the government and probably the state and the U.S. Marshals because to that point and to this point, he hadn't been caught. So a lot of what this article is, and I remember it was a front page article, if, if I'm not mistaken, a lot of the article was designed to kind of bring out um, anybody that could help find money. And I think it was a twofold article, right? Meaning that there's a lot of truths in the article, but there's also a lot of things that are designed by the government to kind of create him more as a uh, an enemy to everybody. And what I mean by that is 
the article was designed to call Mindy a snitch, right? If you look at the article, you understand what he was doing. It's like, it's an undertone. I mean, it's blatant, but it's an undertone. And so the reason why they did that, in my opinion, is because he's in hiding. So when you're in hiding, you're in the underworld. The underworld doesn't like snitches. So it was designed to kind of get people to either expose him and bring him out or to kind of like push them away because they didn't want nothing to do with him because he was a snitch. So with that being said, is it true about his cooperation and all that stuff? Yeah, those things are true, you know, but I also think there's a little bit of a design here to create him to be a bigger monster than he was. Um, going specifically to the first part of our that you're talking about. Um, yeah, he did. I remember that that was his first case. He did. He shot up, <clears throat> he shot up rival gang members who were about to shoot at him. Remember it clear as day. So that right there in, in itself, not, it's, a, it's not a justification, but it just goes to show there's a little more context to it. Um, it was, a, it was like a, a big scene, car full of guys that wanted to kill him and who he was with and he pulled out his gun and reacted right that was one now the attacking a police officer trying to buy trying to grab his gun way blown out of proportion i don't think he'd be living today if that were true um because just because how would how how things go right i mean you mm-hmm. try to grab a cop's gun he's probably not going to end well for you so that the, the time they're talking about is when black cat um got killed and i think i mentioned this before maybe when the four-part series what actually happened they came into the house you know, that we were at, we were partying at after, you know, um, Black Cat had got killed and, and they kind of followed whoever was coming back to the house and, and uh, they kind of like kicked in the door. And, and when they came in the house, it wasn't like they were coming in nicely to help us mourn, right? They were coming in because they were looking for a gun. They were looking for gang members. They were looking for anything that would piece together their puzzle. And so when they came in, they were really, really aggressive. I wasn't in the room. There was a different part of the house I was at, but I heard the commotion. And um, so they basically came in. They got really aggressive with actually my kid's mom, which happened to be Mondi's cousin, and also Mondi's girlfriend. They got really aggressive and handsy, like moving them out the way. And Mondi stood up to him. And, you know, it didn't take much. As soon as he stood up, they grabbed him. And now they start wrestling. And and Mondi's just fighting back, you know. But he's not – Mondi was – Believe it or not, it's hard to say this now in context, but Monty was one of the smarter kings. He was, I mean, look, he's been on the run for almost 20 years, but he was one of the smarter kings in, in the sense that he wasn't going to just do dumb things, irrational things, um, you know, out of nowhere. So grabbing a cop's gun, like, you know, we were wild and we were stupid, but we left it for the streets. We never involved law enforcement, you know? So um, to me, that was blown way out of proportion. And um, to be honest with you, if you look at the picture on the front page, he's actually beat up. And to me, that's why they made that a point to say he tried to grab a gun because they were trying to cover up for the fact that they beat the shit out of this dude. I mean, you know, they didn't, hold, they didn't pull no punches on him. You know what I mean? I mean, when I came, when they came and got us out the room because they had us separated and they pulled us out and Mondi's, you know, outside by this time waiting to get put into the patio. And he's bloody. He's got blood everywhere. So, um, I think that was more of that. That was more of a, you know, and because they let him go right after that. He was actually wanted for the shooting. um, And instead of taking him to the detention center, they let him go. And to me, I think that was more out of sympathy and pity that they really, you know, they beat him up. Or they, yeah, or they didn't want him to say anything about what they had just done and get potentially get them in trouble. Right. And and I'm just calling a spade a spade. Like I got no, 
you know, like I said, Mondi was a long, he's been, he was a long time friend. Obviously, I don't feel like, you know, that obviously probably changed over the years, you know, with where I went and where he's went and, and all the things in between. But if I'm just, you know, calling balls and strikes here, you know, from the outside looking in, that's, that's, you know, without any bias, that's exactly how I believe it happened, you know, what I see. Now that, since you mentioned this before, I'm just curious on this front. You had mentioned that you and Mondi was the Inca and you were the Kasinka at one point in time. So does this mean that, did you guys kind of come up in the Latin Kings together? Like, were you, like, pretty much right around the same time frame? Yeah. That, yeah, we were, Was he we were there at... when you joined, or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Which would so, make sense since he was the Inca and well, the... At the, when I no when I joined though you got to remember when I joined he wasn't the Inca right when I joined right he, right right he was obviously guy like me he was I think he was maybe like I want to say like a month before me he might have got his violation a month month and a half um, we had a big group of guys that joined right around the same time and uh, yeah we became really close like I said I knew him from middle school uh, me and Mindy we both went to middle school together and so. We weren't great friends in middle school, but we knew each other. And like I said, the South Side, say it one time, say it a million times, it's the biggest, smallest place in the world. So it's like, yeah, we seen each other, we knew each other, and then we never knew then what we would be. You know, we never knew then that in middle school, we'd end up both joining a chapter of Latin Kings and rising to be the leadership. You know, we couldn't, <laughs> we couldn't foresee that, but, you know, we knew of each other, and we always had a mutual respect. And then one became Kings, we really, really... Uh, hit it off and we really became close and <clears throat> I seen him a lot because like I said I got <clears throat> I got a kid with I got two kids with his cousin so um, I seen him you know almost every day okay I'm gonna move on here uh, so the okay then the, the other thing the next thing they mentioned in here is a Cudahy gas station in 20, 2003 where he was charged with executing with ordering the execution of a man who tried to start a fight outside of the gas station. Okay. Now that's this is a this is like a uh, this is a long-winded answer, right? Because I I I know exactly what you're talking about. It's actually Cudahy, which is a suburb of Milwaukee, and then they're referring to basically the case why he's on the run for right now. So you know this is like a really really controversial, uh, I guess, case. And, you know, I can do as best I can to kind of describe how I see it, but I have to kind of tiptoe around because it's technically still an active case. So I can't be too upfront, upfront with, uh, I guess, details because it could be considered, you know, impeded on active investigation or whatever the case may be. But I can't give you my personal opinion on Mondi and, and well, that situation, right? And uh, so they're referring to a fight that happened in the gas station there was a couple other kings um that had went to the gas station we were partying at a house they went to a gas station they get into they basically get into an altercation with a guy and uh it follows it it you know they follow it outside it, it comes outside they're fighting and um it just so happened simultaneously that mondi was out there with his girlfriend and so mondi obviously went to go help the guys that were fighting and it was just one guy it just so happened that when mondi walked up you know the guy swung a punch and hit mondi once we got word, everybody in the house, there was a fight, everybody ran outside and, you know, they're off beating this guy up and there was another guy that came to help. And so <clears throat> the guy that came to help, you know, kind of in the mix. And so when Mondi got punched, emotions were really high, uh, you know, obviously for him and then for the guys. And, and so, you know, this is where I'm going to take a step back 
and kind of just preface this by saying, this is only my opinion. Um, this is only how I see it. This isn't fact. This isn't, you know, written in stone. This is what, this is what I seen, what I think I heard and how I think people reacted to it. Um, you know, Mondi was the Inca at the time. And, you know, being an Inca, you have a lot of power within the chapter, being a Kasinka, having position. And you can order people to do things. You can order for people to get killed. You can you can order for people to get beat up. You can order all kinds of things. With that being said, if you listen to a lot of what I bring to the table as far as stories and things that happen, it was rare that we were sending each other out on missions. You know, we didn't send each other out to go shoot people or this, this, that. All that stuff kind of happened organically. Some of it we created, don't get me wrong, um, but, you know, it wasn't, my point of saying is that it wasn't like we were known for mob style order hits. We weren't known mm-hmm. for that. Full circle, come back. Um, when that happened, there was there was a statement that Mondi made, okay? And I'm not going to say verbatim what it was because because I can only tell you what I think it was, right? Now, what I thought I heard him say was, get him, right? Get get this dude. After he got punched, get him. Right now, that can mean a number of things. I'm not going to sit here and act like it doesn't. Knowing how we were with each other, I know he's just looking for help. Now, what kind of help? I guess that's where the lines and and the the waters kind of muddied a little bit because people can take it a bunch of ways. They can say, well, he ordered for help, and there's only one result, and that's to kill a guy. Right? That's that's the result. But other people can say, well, he was just saying, get him as in help me, right? So this is what I'm saying. That's the controversy that I kind of, I back away from. Me personally, I was there. Uh, I didn't help in the fight. I didn't even get involved in the fight. When I came out the house, I seen how many people were fighting two guys. And I literally still had a drink in my hand. And I'm like, oh, they got that. What am I going to do? I'm going to run over there and get a kick in? Like, <sighs> I, you know, I, I didn't really pay no attention. It was It was like another day at the office. When I heard the first gunshot, obviously that's what that's what peaked my senses, right? Now, you know, now you're sober almost. And then you hear the second gunshot and, and, and so on and so forth. And and I, I don't want to get too much into the story, like I said, because the details I can't really expose like that as far as, you know, everything that happened. But Monty was ultimately charged with ordering the execution of the guy. You know, I think that there's a lot of there's a lot of touchy ways to kind of approach that. You know, you can say, yeah, it's true. He ordered it. He did say, get him, regardless of what he meant. Um, anybody who's a Latin king, if they didn't move, right, at that time, it could be considered a betrayal. It could be it could be considered standing idle, is what they call it, right? And there's a law in the manifesto that says, when one king moves, all kings move. Now, I know I just said that I didn't move, right? <laughs> but I wasn't the only one who didn't move. You know what I mean? And I was the Kasinka. I had a good idea of what was going on. You know, obviously there was no threat to anybody that was mine. So, you know, I, and, and to be fair, I was always the first one in, in the mix. So, but yeah, so, you know, kind of circling back, those are, those are, those are ongoing themes. And, and so it's easy to see why he was charged with such a crime because they're, you know, to the government and to the, to the, to the law enforcement, there is no gray line. You know, there there is no gray area when it comes to leadership telling another member to do something. It, it, does that make sense? Like there's no, there, for us, there's an interpretation because we're in it. But for law enforcement, if you say something and another person does it, you just ordered it to happen. You see what I'm saying? So, I mean, I'm, I'm interested to hear how you see it. I, I don't, I would really be interested if 
too bad we don't have a lawyer on this show right now because I would be very interested to see it because if they could prove that all he said was get him, I'd be, I think it would be a tough cry to really be able to ever prove that he actually ordered them to kill somebody. Well, to be fair, fair, there were other people who said they heard him say, kill him. Right. And that's why I said, I can only tell you what I thought I heard, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And, and so, and that's why I said, my words aren't golden. Like you can't look at me and say, Oh, what he says is a hundred percent true because you know, there was how many people out there and you know, how close was I to him? I was in the, I was, you know, sort of in the middle of the street and he was on the other side of the street. Um, and there were people closer to him and maybe some of them people, uh, testified to the fact that they heard him say, kill him. Even if he didn't say kill him, if they heard him say, get him and back that statement up by saying as a Latin King, as a soldier, if your Inca tells you to get him, you go to the utmost extent. You can't really, it's hard to prove that wrong because our manifesto is concrete. I mean, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's pretty plain in, in, in what it says. And so that's why I said, it's really, it's controversial. And it's also like, it's, it's touch and go. And, and there's really no, um, you're never going to find no clarity behind it because, you know, within the guys that were there, I can look around the guy. I can remember everybody that was there that night and, and think, okay, how many of these guys would have took that literal and said, okay, it's time for me to kill this guy? And how many of these guys would have said, he's just saying, you know, he's not saying that, he's saying this, you know? Um, and I think, I think for the most part, people probably would have thought on the side of not killing him. But with that being said, things happen so fast. And, sure. and, you know, I mean, we're talking about split second decisions, you know, for somebody who kind of prided himself on always being the first to react and always being one of the guys in the mix, you never wanted to be known as somebody who froze up. That's that's the that's the term, froze up. And and by that, if you're known for that, that follows you everywhere. And um, it's it's a really bad strike to have on your record. And basically, all that means is that when it was time to go, you thought about it. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's a smart thing to do, right? That's what real people would do. They would think about it. But but you're trained to not think about it. You're trained to act and ask questions later. And so I can't, you know, I can't kind of backpedal and get into the minds of the guys who actually shot, get into the minds of Mondi. It's impossible. It was a, it was a long time ago. It was a drunk night. It was a, I wish it never happened for all the parties involved. But I think that's going to be one of those things that goes on for a long time. If they ever catch Mondi, if they never catch Mondi you know, uh, whatever it is, there's always going to be that, that bridge. And, um, you know, I guess, I guess if I had to be honest about the whole situation, I think I would have probably not erred on the side of caution just because of how many people were drinking. Everybody was drunk and I probably would have reacted the same way that the other guys did because you don't want to be the one that didn't Mm -hmm. assuming that you were right. You know what I'm saying? Assuming that you thought, oh, I didn't think he meant it like that, you know, and you were the one guy who didn't move, you know, now scrutiny all lies on you, you know, so it's a really, really, it's a really touchy subject. I wish I could, I wish I could give the details to everybody and kind of lay out everything that happened. But, you know, like I said, that's not, that wasn't really my place. I was there. I wasn't one of the shooters. And at the same time, you know, like I said, it's an active case because technically he's still on the run. So. That's kind of where I don't know how, how much that answered what you were asking. But. So I guess basically your position on this is that 
you know, it's not as bad as what the article paints it to be. But, and is he, should he have been charged with that? Possibly, possibly not. I think neither one of us can really answer that question because you really have to have a good grasp on what the law says, right. you know, and, you know, because for all I know, maybe, maybe even, even if he just said, get him, that might be enough for the, him right. to get charged with something, you know, I don't know. Look at it like this too, Eric, right? Let's say he says, get him, right? Cause like I said, this is what I'm telling you. I thought I heard, right? Somebody else is bringing that. We'll just say hypothetically, he said, get him. And the guy gets beat to death instead of shot. Is it the same thing? It's still an. It's still a. It's still ultimately yeah. an execution, right? Yeah, you're right. So it's so so. It's kind of like you know, is this? You can look at it so many different ways, man. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can totally see that, and that is a very very gray gray area of that we're just not really qualified to <laughs> to to, to judge absolutely it. So not. yeah, we're absolutely so. not. I would not try that case in court sure okay so i'm going to move on to the next thing so this this is comes back to may of 2002 it says eight months into mondi's probation term milwaukee police officers were investigating a homicide on the city's south side the killing of dante mcgee officers questioned a house full of teenagers that included berrigan which i think we we talked about this a little bit they found a handgun hidden in a bedroom now one of my questions is there was we talked about a story on this podcast where a, the cops came in and took a gun. We're looking for a gun. Is that this situation? No, no, no. That was because uh, that was up in the north side. Right? No, that was that was when we were talking about when I, uh, when they came in. They were looking for the forty four. Remember when it was uh, when we got away with it? They never found a gun. That was that was that situation. This situation right here is actually what we were just talking about a, a few minutes ago. Where my okay, this, uh, this is the same. Got into with the cops. Yeah, that's Dante McGee. That's that's Black Cat. That was okay. The so that's Black Cat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And remind me, cause was Black Cat from another gang or no? He was from 19th Street. He was a Latin King. He was the first Black King on 19th Street. Just a curiosity, if they were investigating his murder, why were they questioning Latin Kings? Because right. wasn't so it safe to assume that Latin King didn't do right. it? For sure, for sure. But that's why I said earlier, <laughs> what they did is they followed, I don't know how they did it, but they, because the crime scene was like on 5th and Arthur, and we were hanging out on like 6th and Arthur or something. And so I, you know, I, I still can't put it together, but they actually followed, I think they followed somebody from the crime scene because we all went over there. Like I said, I seen Blackhead and um, they must have followed him, followed some of us whoever it was, back to the house we were at. And that's why I said they kicked in the door and they weren't coming in there to help us mourn. You know what I'm saying? They were, <laughs> they were coming in there looking for guns and, and, and they ended up finding the gun and they actually charged uh, Mondi's cousin with shooting back at the guy that killed Black Cat. So that's the gun they found. Okay, so this next part I think is something that you can kind of shed light on. So it says they broke, they came into the house they looking for the gun. And then Mondi jumped on the back of an officer, James Collins, grabbing him around the head and neck, according to police reports. Collins said he took Mondi, then 15, to the ground where he continued to fight and tried to get the officer's gun, according to police reports. Three other people jumped in to help Mondi before officers finally gained control. Yeah, I mean, how much does that, how much does that sound like it's real, like it's true? 
<laughs> no, that's exactly what we were just talking about. It's a, it's the same exact incident where they accused Monty of trying to grab the gun. Um, he was basically stepping up to say, hey, man, you know, like you can be polite because they were literally like pushing women out the way, you know. And at the time, my my kid's mom is like nine months pregnant. You know, Black Cat died on May 4th and my son was born May 24th. So she was ready to pop. And the cops are like pushing her out the way, pushing Mondi's girlfriend out the way. And that's why Mondi kind of was like, hey, man, like show some respect. He stood up and they were already on tense because of the situation. So as soon as Mondi stood up, they grabbed him. Like, I mean, let's just be honest here. It's not like, you know, cops are twiddling their thumbs when they walk into a house like that. You know what I mean? Like they're mm-hmm. on point, like they're they're ready to go because not only are you walking into you just there's a murder down the street. And even though you know this is a Latin King and that's a Latin King that died, this is a Latin King house, whatever it is in their mind, they're thinking these guys got a bunch of guns. We're going into like, so they come in tense. It's not like they're coming in like, Hey guys, how are you doing? What's going on? Like, no, nah, that's not how it goes. They were tense. And when Mondi stood up, they challenged them. And, and as far as the three other guys trying to help Mondi, that's a joke. Come on. I mean, who, what, what does that really look like? You know what I mean? Like, show me what that looks like where people walk out of there and they're nobody's charged with any crime. Nobody's got a bullet hole in him from a police officer. Like, come on, man. Let's let's just be honest. That it doesn't even seem realistic. So, so, so I just want to kind of jump into this and just kind of go through it. So, to the and we should be very clear. This is to the best of your knowledge. You are not saying this is completely one hundred percent correct. But you do not remember Mondi jumping on anybody's back at any point. No. And no. and is it safe to say the way you remember it? He basically stood up. And the cops took him down immediately. And, yeah, and there was really and, and, no other altercation beyond that. That is exact. And like I said, if you've seen his face, like where like the listeners can, can pull up the link, they'll see his face. And he's got, he's got, he's beat up all over. He's got rug burn on his face. They're dragging him across the floor. Right. I mean, how much was he really fighting? I mean, show a picture of the cop. I mean, he's got any marks on Like, I doubt it. You know what I'm saying? So was he probably fighting with him when he got took to the floor? Maybe. You know, he's probably struggling. Maybe he was struggling to get his face off the carpet. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, so. so well, that, and if you get taken down, it's just instinct that you're going to struggle. You know, yeah, I yeah, mean, that's, that's perfectly that's, reasonable. I, I, yeah, I don't 100%. think it takes I don't think it takes a hardened Latin king to do that. You know, if somebody jumps on you, you're just not going to like go down and be like, oh, just beat the crap out of me. Right. So. Right. So and, and but as far as the other guys jumping in, absolutely not. Didn't happen. Completely false. And then on top of that, like after the fact, because they released Mondi after that, you know, he would have been like, yo, I was trying to grab this dude's gun. I was going to shoot him. Right. Like something like that. Never. Mm-hmm. He was like, bro, there was no I wasn't going to grab no cop's gun. Like, come on. How stupid do they think I am? <laughs> you know, what I mean, like it doesn't even make sense. And I think this brings back to, because I believe you had mentioned this on a on another episode, and I think it's a good thing to retouch on. Doesn't, in the in your world at that point in time, wasn't it kind of, I, not like it was in the manifesto or anything like that, but you guys didn't tend to, you weren't attacking police officers. You were, it, yeah, this we, was, most of the violence was happening from gang to gang, correct? Right. We, and ne- not, we, never, we never targeted cops. We never targeted cops. We never um, targeted women or children, you know, kind of to circle back on the, the, the discussion we were just having about the, the incident today. You know, we never targeted people who weren't gang related. And so um, I always have a hard time kind of talking about that that night and that that situation, because somebody who did die was not in the gang. 
and he was not a rival and he was not involved in a life we were in. And, you know, obviously that bothers me. With that being said, you know, and this is this is a credit to who the guy was as a man. Um, he was standing up for the other guy and he was trying to involve himself and he was fighting. You know, he didn't come over there and just stand there and guys started putting holes in him. He was fighting, you mm -hmm. know, and respect to him. Like he wasn't a coward. Um, and so, you know, I believe the stigma that it was just an innocent bystander that, you know, ran into a bunch of uh, evil and satanic Latin kings. That That's not the right. That's not the, the, the right picture that should be painted. No justification. 100 percent wrong all the way. We were completely wrong. Nothing about what we did was right. But just to kind of shed some light on that situation, it wasn't just the picture that's painted, which is a guy standing there is innocent and, oh, Latin Kings want to yeah. go shoot him. That's that's the, not fair. It's very much in this article written that, you know, he just kind of walked over and said, hey, guys, you should stop doing this. And then you all, everybody just started beating the crap out of him, which is not really yeah. what happened. He, yeah, really he was right there knee deep in fighting. Right, no, for sure. And and like I said, man, and and um and respect to the guy. Like, you know, anybody, any man who sees somebody else outnumbered and doesn't know the guy that's outnumbered and goes and sticks up for him, a hundred percent respect to the guy, right? Like that's a that's a man's man, you know. Um, mm -hmm. unfortunately the situation that he walked into was <clears throat> a bad one, to say the least. And it ended and it the ultimate price happened. And that's unfortunate. And, you know, like I said, I'm still sorry. I wasn't the actual, but I'm still sorry for it. It's a, it's a, it's a sad thing. Um, but like I said, it's, it's, uh, it's fair to, to also share the narrative that, Hey man, like the dude, he was fighting, they were fighting and it escalated faster than it should have, should have never got to where it did. But, um, yeah. So that, I mean, going back to your question about targeting police officers, no targeting women and children, no targeting innocent people, um, yeah. are, are, uh, our job and, and our lifestyle was rival gang members. So the final part is just kind of talks a little bit about how Mondi kind of ended up on the run. So basically it says here, the decision by police to let, let Mondi go while he was on pervert, per, probation turned out to be a key break for the up and coming gang leader. Had police taken Mondi to juvenile detention, he likely would have appeared before a judge and received that year in Ethan Allen which if you want to discuss in a minute what that is, you can. I don't have any clue. That was earlier stayed, according to officials in the juvenile system. He walked free that day after county prosecutors asked for a delay so Mondi could testify against fellow gang members. Mondi slipped away in a subsequent federal roundup. He has been a fugitive for nearly five years. So this article must be, oh, must be pretty old, huh? Yeah, it's pretty old. Like I said, that was a, that was a uh, attempt. I want to say, I don't know if it's 2010 maybe around there. It was an attempt to uh, bring the, shed some more light and bring the article back to life. Like it had died out. The flame died. Mondi had been gone. It was like nobody even cared anymore. So mm -hmm. that was an attempt to like bring it back to the forefront. Hey, let's start trying to get this guy. And there's like a long drawn out process about having a provisional warrant for somebody in Mexico and all that. And so I believe at that time, um, there was an effort to kind of ramp up the, the the efforts to go get him. So circling back to the beginning, when he, when they're talking about they should have locked him up right there and sent him to Ethan Allen. Ethan Allen is basically prison. It's a juvenile prison. I was there for you know almost two years. 
and um, but it's it's a legit prison. It's not like what you you think. Oh, they house juveniles and they can go over and see their parents. No, this is you know electric fences, barbed wire. You're there for the state. It's Department of Corrections, DOC. So you actually get a DOC number that if you were to go into the adult system, you have the same DOC number. So I mean, it's it's pretty legit. And they're right. If they would have kept him there, um, they would have had him in custody. But he did end up going to getting locked up, and uh, he he got locked up the same day I did. It's it's crazy. It was actually me, him, and Payne, and that was he was the Inca, I was the Casica, and Payne was the enforcer, and we all got locked up the same day on a fluke. Another one of these fluke situations. It's actually it's actually funny to think about, we were kind of like laying low, so to speak. I don't know how much we were laying low. We were kids. <laughs> we were hiding out, right? And so, so he had a he had a, a motel room that was way up on like 27th Street. But in reality, it wasn't like way up, right? It was like, it's like a five-minute drive. <laughs> it's like someplace called El Rancho or something, right? And uh, we thought, we think we're hiding out, you know, because he's like, oh, maybe they, they want to question him for the Cudahy murder. And, and uh, so he's thinking at this time, He's wanted, but not wanted. And me, him, and Payne, and and uh, and we're hanging out there. It, we partied somewhere the night before, and then so that day we woke up and we're like, "Yo, um, let's go do something. Let's go, let's go, uh, you know, hang out, go bowling or something." And uh, the irony is kind of trippy how we got locked up. We were gonna go bowling, but anyways, <laughs> so, so we go and we're going to this house that was kind of like a king house, and we were going there because I think Payne wanted to, like pick up some money or something. And so, and I think he wanted to pick up a gun or something like that. Either he wanted to pick up a gun or he had a gun, you want to drop it off. It was one of the two. And so the way this house was designed, you pull off the busy street and then you just pull right into the back of the driveway. Uh, we never pulled in front of the house because we always went in through the back door. And this is like on a busy street. So we pull in and it's just like it's dusk. So it's just getting dark. And I remember we pulled in, we pull in the back and Payne gets out. He's like, all right, I'm going to go in real quick. So he goes, he's about to go in the house. And as soon as he goes into the house, we see like a flashlight coming down the side of the gangway and it's a cop and he's looking around on the floor, you know, now I don't think I'm on the run right now, but, um, at the same time, I just hate being around cops, you know, hmm. I hate cops at the time, you know, they always made me nervous. So he's looking around, he's looking around and we got our headlights on. Like we're just in there. We're, we're, you know, you know, we're kind of like waiting. We don't know if he's going to walk up to the car or what. He kind of turns around, starts walking on the other side of the gangway. He's looking on the gangway. And just so happened, Payne comes out the house. And, yeah, that's what it was. He was dropping the gun off. So uh, let me see. So Payne came out the house. And then he starts walking to the car. He gets into the car. And when he gets into the car, the cop sees it and starts, like, walking fast to us. So we're, we're about to back out. And he stops us. And I'm like, ah. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, ah. Right. So. So he's like, hey, he's like, what are you guys doing here? And uh, he's like, hold on, why don't you turn the vehicle off? And 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 so we do, and, and we all get out. He's like, everybody get out the car. So we get out the car. And we're right on a busy street. i never seen this cop before. You don't know. They start running our names. Mondi gives him a fake name. I uh, think he gave, like, one of his cousins' name or something. And so we're standing there, we're standing there, and the detective car pulls up. Now, I always talk about this and when, I, when I'm uh, recording with Gavin, and, and I always tell him, listen, man, as you go along, in this lifestyle, you start really knowing detectives and cops because you're always in the mix with them and they know you and they know your face and they're studying you and they're studying the gang. So they know you. I knew this detective since I was like nine years old. You know, my mom used to be a crossing guard right by second district on Lincoln. So I used to see the guy all the time. He walks up, he looks at, he looks at Payne. He goes, Hey, Payne's like a 
he's he looks like he looks like a monster, right? Like this dude's huge. He's you know he's like he's real noticeable. He's like oh such. He says his name. He's like hey you're wanted for substantial battery. Put your hands behind your back. Nobody knew Payne was wanted, right? So he goes and he walks up to Monty. He's like man. He's like you look real familiar. So he's telling Monty. And then he's like, I'll come right back to you. He's like, hey, what's up, Berto? He's like, you're wanted for first degree reckless endangerment safety. Put your put your hands behind your back. And I'm like, first degree reckless endangerment safety? What's that? He's like, don't worry, you'll find out. Put your hands behind your back. So, put, so I go in the car. Or I'm about to go in the car. He's got me in cuffs. And and then he goes, Mondi. He looks at him. He goes, Mondi. He goes, you're Armando Berrigan. And he just looks, you know, Mondi's just looking at him stupid. He goes, man, we've been looking for you, man. He goes, you're wanted. He's like, you're wanted. He's like, you're wanted for first degree reckless endangerment safety as well. Put your hands behind your back. Literally, the whole hierarchy of one nine got it, got arrested that day. All, <laughs> all three of us, we all went down. All on a freak chance, too. On a, yeah, on a freak chance. And here's the here's the other side of it. Here's what actually happened. So we got to go with another guy. We used to call him Chief Wiggums because he looks like a pig. I don't know if you know the Simpsons, um, but Chief Wiggums is like the little the cop that's a pig. He looks like okay. he's the funniest thing in the world. We used to call him Chief Wiggums. So, anyways, so he. Uh, he was at that house because, like I said, it was like a, it was like our, you know, I mean, it was a girl's house, but she used to always let the, the kings over there, and um, and she used to always be around. She was super cool. Um, name was Kristen, and and so what had happened, I guess, Chief Wiggins' real name is Mario. Mario was over there, and and something happened with some some flakes. I think there were like this gang called the Eight Balls or something, and he shot at him from like two blocks away. I don't know why he did that, but they were like two blocks away. Whatever, he shot at him, and so shots fired. Police are just coming out to check out. What's going on? We end up being the, you know, what I'm saying what they find. So, yeah, that okay. was the other side of it. That cop must have had a good day then that day. Yeah, that was. I mean, oh, he, was... he was so happy. <laughs> he was so happy. He got us all. So, so what what happened with that then? Because I mean, obviously, Mondi ended up not being held or whatever, right? Because he must have gotten right. out. So of this, it. right? So that was '03. That was in June of '03. And that was my when I when they, I did my first stint. I actually uh, that was when the guy Little Wolfie told on me. Um, I actually I was I was charged with shooting his cousin in the neck. He was like an MP or a Brown Pride or something. And um, so uh, that's what I was charged with. You know, they showed me Wolfie's statement, and I was young, man. I probably should have just I shouldn't have said nothing. But you know, everything happens for a reason. I was scared. I see Wolf's statement. I'm like, you know what, this dude's gonna tell on me. That you know they were offering me uh, a year in, in in Ethan Allen, which is Wales, um, which is the, the juvenile prison. Mm. And so I was like, man, whatever, I can do a year, right? And so um, I ended up doing two years because they extended. Not all at once though. I did eighteen months and then I went back and did six. But Mondi got lucky, right? So at first, when we were in DT together, right? Because we both went to DT, we're both juveniles. They wouldn't let us hang out together. You know, what I mean, we were in different pods. We would try to go like church together. Or our families would come to visit at the same time and it wouldn't let us be together, you know. And there was even like a sign up from like the Cudahy Police Department, keep Armando Berrigan and Alberto Vallejo separate, you know, ongoing investigation, blah, 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 blah. And so I end up going to Wales. I get up there and then what happens when you get up there is you go to like a staffing cottage, which is, you know, basically where they decide what, what actual cottage you're going to go to. It was called Marquette at the time. And so I went there and you're there for like a month. So I went there and I'm there for like a week and Mondi comes walking in. So I'm like happy. You know what I'm saying? Like this is like one of the best friends. I'm like, bad, man. You know what I'm saying? Like I got somebody here because because you don't even know who else is in the rest of the the uh the prison yet because you're not you're not in population yet. You're still being staffed. So me and him and you're locked down, you know, most of the day, I'd say twenty hours out of twenty four. So we end up getting cellies. We end up being cellies. We're bunked up, we're hanging out, you know, we're 
you know, it's it's like old times. We're hanging out, and and then out of nowhere, um, they tell me, "Hey, pack up. You're gonna go to your cottage." And it was like a week before I was supposed to go, maybe like a week and a half. So I was like, "Why am I going so early?" And it was because they wanted me and Mondi separate. So as soon as I went to my cottage, they sent him to Lincoln Hills, which is another juvenile facility. And then, but he got the lucky end of the stick because he went up there. He was only locked up for like seven months, man. And then they let him out on like the bracelet. I did 18 months for they let me out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and, and I had a clean record up there. But anyway, so that's how he ended up getting out. He got out after seven months and he stayed out the whole time. He never went back. And then he caught that case <clears throat> while I was up there with the guy, Flyer Louie. And they said that he was going to test- testify on Latin Kings. It was really just his cousin, his older cousin. And his older cousin was allegedly a Latin King. He wasn't, though. He wasn't never made, not not from us. We used to call him, <laughs> we used to call him Puddle Face because he had the biggest teardrop for no reason. Like, And his name was Mondo, not Mondi. His name was Mondo. He had a big, dumb teardrop. I, mean, he had, like, I don't even understand that. Like, you got a puddle on your face. But anyways... But he wasn't even the king, right? So um, he's the one who did this stuff with Liar Louie and this other guy named Shorty. And Shorty wasn't a king neither. He was like a wannabe, you know, hang around type guy. And so that's what they were talking about. Monty was going to testify and other Latin kings. He was really just, he was going to testify. That's where, that's all they needed to say, right? I mean, that's that's the, that's where the, the line is basically drawn in the street. Um, ask anybody about me, right? So uh, so that's what happened. You know, he he uh, <clears throat> he ended up, Getting out on bail for that case, not having to go back uh, because, like he, like I said, he was going to testify. So he was fighting it from the street. Their plan was when he was going to go in for sentencing in September, they were going to snatch him up and then hold him for the indictment. Um, I think I told you this. I yeah. actually drove with him to court. You know, him and his girl, I drove with him to court. This is September of 05. And I was such an idiot. I just think about it. Right. But I, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll circle back to that. But but so I went with him to court. I didn't go in, right? This is the smart move. I didn't go in with him. <laughs> but but he went in and he calls me. He's like, yo, I think you're gonna take me in. He's like, nah, I'm just playing. He comes out. So I guess he went to court and they just postponed his sentencing. And nobody was there, none of the feds were there to grab him. And like I said to you, the the purpose behind that is they didn't want to throw up no red flags. You know, they didn't want guys to start scrambling and say, Yo, the feds are snatching guys up. Now I ha- I had already been kind of alerted to that because I tried to bail my brother out. And he got a U.S. marshal hold put on him. Like I bailed him out for a case that he was in there on and he should have been able to come home. But the marshals put the hold on him because they didn't want him to get out. So I should have red flag should have went up there. Right. Like, yo, this guy's got a marshal hold. There's probably something going on. I didn't get the point. You know, I'm so stupid. His first arraignment hearing, I walk in, you know what I'm saying? I go with my mom and all these people. I got a big shirt. It's like a big, I never forget it. I had a big shirt with Al Capone on it. It said original gangster on it. Like my hat, it was like a Latin King's hat, like just a straight dummy, right? I couldn't, I can't believe how naive and dumb I was. And so I walk in and I'm in the courtroom, you know, I'm thinking my brother's going to get bailed now for this pistol case. And I don't even understand the language that's being said, but basically the prosecutor's like, listen, your honor, this is, we don't want him to have bail. You're talking about my brother at this point. We don't want him to have bail because this is a part of a sealed indictment. There's a lot more to come out. <clears throat> so it, he's a flight risk and blase this and blase that, right? And I look, and the detective that noticed me that day that picked me up, he's in the courtroom. And the FBI agent, he's in the courtroom. And the prosecutor's right there. And then the, there's a state district attorney who prosecutes all Latin kings at this time. He's right there. And I'm not putting it together. I'm just there, da-da-dee, just airhead. <laughs> I'm just there, right? And so we go out into the, to the hallway after the hearing, and the lawyer for my brother walks out. He says, listen, 
I advise anybody who looks directly at me that's got anything to do with the Latin Kings to get a lawyer right now. And I'm like, I don't know no Latin Kings, so I ain't got to worry about it. I'm just, I'm this smart guy, right? I got everything figured out. And they actually told me they wanted to snatch me up right there, but they knew I was so dumb that they were going to be able to get me anyway. anyway. So they <laughs> they're, they're like, if he showed up here, yeah. he's going yeah. <laughs> he's he's to be no problem anywhere. to get. <laughs> yeah. I didn't have a pot to piss in. I couldn't go anywhere. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, all right, whatever. That's I, the long-winded answer to that. I want to come a, kind of circle back to when you were talking about, is it Ethan Allen? Is that what we said? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah. you, you we talked about how you – okay, so you went in to get placed into your cottage. Right, right. Can you explain what is a cottage? So, like, was this place, did it just have separate buildings that were each called a cottage? And Right, right. So, yeah, it was like a huge compound. Like, in the middle of the forest is the best way I can, like, best way I can describe it. It's like huge acres and acres of land. And then there's a fence around the place, two fences, actually. There's a fence with barbed wire, and then there's an electric fence around it. And then it's basically like it's a it's it was called Ethan Allen School for Boys. So they actually had a school there. You know, they had like a health, you know, like a hospital unit there. And then they had. Yeah, they literally had like 12 different cottages. Right. And they all were designed kind of for different inmates, uh, different styles of juvenile. Right. So like Juno was like for the little kids. I mean, these little kids are, you know, eight, nine, ten years old in prison for doing crazy stuff. Wow. Um, and then they had, then they had like Lapham. Lapham was for like, kind of like, you know, I don't want to say they're like a little slower guys, like, you know, guys that kind of had learning disabilities or something like that. And they made mistakes. And then they had Marquette, they had Stout, Stout, which was the drug cottage. Stout wasn't like a long-term uh, place for where, where guys were housed. They would go be housed there for like six months to do the drug program. And then they would go to a different cottage. And then they had Johnson and Blackhawk, which was just, Ba- your basic like regular guys didn't have problems um you know regular kind of inmates uh, not of the younger i guess not not like juno young but like you know probably 13 14 15 mm-hmm. type you know what i mean and then they had uh they got the hole which is martin hall maximum hole i was there before and then they had like a hole they had like another place um I want to, I forgot what the name of the cottage. I want to say it's Ferber or something. And it was just like a, they turned it into like a rec room. So that was a place where guys would go. And then they had Draper. Draper was, I was at where I was at. Draper was like for serious juvenile offenders, major gang affiliations, um, usually older guys. So they put me right in with all the, you know I mean? Everybody that's older and you know what I mean? So um, it, it was different. So Berto, since we kind of turned this episode completely into a Mondi episode, do you have any other stories that we didn't talk about in this article that you might want to tell about Mondi. Uh, yeah, damn. It's, it's unfortunate that he, uh, he kind of got the spotlight here, right? Nah, he, yeah. he was a good dude though, man. He, he was a, he was a, he was a good friend of mine, um, for a long time. So I have a lot more fond memories than I have bad memories of him. So I guess I can share a, a fond memory of him. Mondi was a, a, a funny guy, you know, like Mondi was a, he was lighthearted. He was serious when he needed to be. And and I guess it's just important because I want you to kind of get a little bit of insight of how he was. You know, I think uh, <clears throat> people are kind of portrayed as stick figures and they just put all these, you know, these badges on them that make them bad people and, you know, evil people and hurtful people. And it's not it's not like that all the time. Mondi was a really calculated guy. He was really funny. And um, we had a lot of good times together. And and so. 
I remember a time, man, I'm trying to think exactly when it was, if it was before. No, this was after I got out of Wales. So he had been out and I had been out. And uh, I remember we were, we, we went to go hang out. I'm trying to think exactly. Let me, let me, give me, give me, let me get a good grasp on how exactly this went. <laughs> because, you know, I think I gave you a little bit of an idea of this before. Um, so Mondi and I and my brother were pranksters and we did a lot of dumb things. Um, but, you know, we didn't have malicious intent. Obviously, it came off that way, but we really didn't. And so I remember at this time, it was just me and him. It was it was, in, it was actually it was the summer of 2005. So a lot of guys were locked up and uh, <clears throat> we spent a lot of time just me and him because we usually had a bigger group, but everybody was doing time. And uh, and I remember we got drunk. We got so drunk one night, right? <laughs> we were by a friend of mine's house that that he ended up passing away. We called him Ugly Tim. The reason why we called him Ugly Tim is because my brother's name was Tim. So he was obviously the ugly version. So, <laughs> so we called him Ugly Tim. And uh, he was a good friend of mine until he passed away. But uh, he had he had a... A place where we used to always hang out. It was called the Boom Boom Room, right? It was just his. It, all it was was his basement. And um, I don't know if you ever seen the movie Life with Eddie Murphy. And but in the movie, he talks about he's in prison doing life. He talks about getting out and opening up this club called the Boom Boom Room. So we used to call <laughs> Ugly Tim's basement the Boom Boom Room. And and so we were down there, man. And listen, we were getting. I mean, we were getting lit. But you're gonna ask a question when I say we were getting drunk. What were you saying? Oh no, no, no! I was just gonna throw out the mention that that all good stories. From the past, usually, usually or, start like that, right? Yeah, yeah. With somebody, <laughs> we were really drunk. <laughs> yeah, usually start like that. So I remember we were getting drunk, man, so drunk. And this now, this basement, right? Now, let me just give you a visual. This basement was like the one of the dirty. It was dirty down there, right? I mean, it was like you know, cigarette butts on the floor, and like you know, cans, and people spill beer all the time, and it just wasn't like a really clean place. It was just somewhere to hang out, somewhere to get drunk. And we loved it down there, right? So we had another guy. You're probably going to meet him at some point because he's a guy who changed his life around and he ended up doing, you know, he's doing good things with his life right now. But uh, his name is Jose. And so <clears throat> Jose was really drunk too. <laughs> and uh, and uh, he was so drunk, right? Me and Mondi had went upstairs. And I forgot, we went upstairs to do something. You know, we were probably just drunk walking around. We went upstairs to do something. We come back down. And Jose is sleeping on Ugly Tim's floor in the basement. And this is like, like I said, man, this is like not a place you want to be, right? It's it's nasty. He's, I remember leaving. We were really, really drunk, man. I remember leaving uh, Ugly Tim's house. Uh, we left Jose on the floor. You know, I didn't really want to drive too drunk. Mine didn't want to drive too drunk. But more than that, you know, this time, you know, a night, it's kind of time for like mischief. It's It's time to do stupid things, right? So that's what we were going to do. <laughs> and uh, those are always the funniest things to do. So Mondi's wasted. His bright idea on the walk home is let's play ding dong ditch, man. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, yo, like we're both like 18, you know what I mean? <laughs> like we're wasted, but I'm a ride with him. So I'm like, all right, let's do it. So we start doing it right. And he's running, he's drunk, you know, he's, he's stumbling, you know what I mean? And I'm laughing the whole time, like we're doing it, right? And and it was probably it probably looked a lot funnier from the outside looking in. Like we probably looked like we were in slow motion. You know, nobody's gonna answer the door at 4:35 in the morning, right? And finally, somebody did answer, but we were already way down the block. So they come out and they see us stumbling, laughing, 
And so they're yelling at us, yelling at us, and they start like kind of like jogging towards us. So we take off through a gangway, right? And they're kind of far away. And so we're laughing, we're laughing. We uh, we run through the yard. We run through had like these big uh, tiki sticks that you know repel the bugs. We grab those. We both got a tiki stick with us. We're drunk, you know what I mean? Like we're wasted. And then we get to um, we knew the south side really well, but you still sometimes run into uh, gates and stuff that you didn't get. You didn't think they were gonna be there. So we end up running to a big gate, and uh, I'm like, come on, we got to get over it, right? So we throw our tiki sticks over, boom. Right. And then and then we're climbing over. I jump over and Monty's trying to climb it and he's taking a long time. He finally comes over. And on the way over, I hear a rip. Right. And he gets down and the whole back of his pants is ripped and his (laughs) and his and his ass cheeks are hanging out the back of his pants. And it's like it's like four thirty five in the morning. Right. It's summertime still, though. And I'm laughing. I'm crying, laughing. I can't stop. He don't know what it is. He's drunk. So he's laughing with me like. Monty was the kind of guy where if he's seen me laughing hard, he's going to laugh because it's funny to watch me laugh, right? So <laughs> so he's he's laughing too. He didn't even know what he's laughing about. And then he had to have felt a breeze or something, you know, go by his ass cheeks because he was like, oh, you know, like his, his he was shocked to see his eyes get big. And he felt his ass and he starts laughing. And, you know, what I mean, that's all we were doing was laughing the whole way. I mean, we had a nice little walk to his house. And we're laughing all the way there, man. And his ass cheeks were out, man. And that was like, you know what I mean? Like that's, that was like probably one of the last like funny, funny memories I had of Monty. You know, like I said, the day before we got indicted, we were actually bowling. Um, and so I was with him all the time, man. He's a good dude. <clears throat> Unfortunately, we just did dumb things and everybody's got to pay for what they do. Right. So obviously they're looking for him to pay for his. So I paid my debt and now they want his. So, uh, you know, we'll see. I- I love that story just because I think that that story kind of is a huge part of what we're trying to do here just by making you realize that even though some these people may have done terrible things in their lives, they're still just people and they still just have funny stories and they're, they're just not right. much different than anybody else. They're just, you know, right. No, and especially at that time, especially at that time, man, at that time. I mean, even now I'm a kid at heart, you know, and, and we were, we were still kids, you know, regardless of what is said about us or even what we actually did. We were really kids, you know, and we did a lot of kid things, man. I mean, we had so many pranks, and prank wars and just dumb things that we would do. I mean, we talked about the kidnapping and yeah. I mean, listen, you had guys, you had guys. Oh, you want to talk about like prank champions? My brother was one of the prank champions. Like, I'll be honest with you. And he was like, my brother was like, I don't know how if this is a skill, right? But if there was a contest, I believe he would win it. He was the best guy at pantsing people. If you, <laughs> I, listen, I'm talking about, I've, I've seen everybody do it. I've done it myself. I was pretty good, right? And he had the art of pantsing people down so good. It didn't even look like he was touching their pants and they'd be there. Just with nothing on. I've seen him pants guys with belts on. Like he pants my guy, the guy Chief Wiggums. He pants Chief Wiggums with a belt on, and and it was so tight he couldn't get his pants back up. He was like hopping. He was like hopping over to the room to get his pants up because it was so tight he couldn't get him back up. Like my brother was really really good at that man. And I don't know if that's a skill or what you know what I mean. But he was he was really good at pants and people and. and and then he was so good at pantsing people that he had down the art of blocking the pants, right? Because you got to remember, <laughs> once you start pantsing people, and you, you're you're fair game now. 
You know what I mean? Like any type, if you get involved in any type of prank games, you're fair game. There isn't no, oh, I'm not feeling it now, or I'm not on that right now. Once you're in, you're all in. So my brother, <laughs> my, my brother knew that. And my brother was always on point because he was so good at it. You know what I mean? He had this trick where if you tried to get him, he would lift his leg and you couldn't get his pants down. And he was really, really good at it, man. I promise you. <laughs> I tried to get him myself. You know, and I felt like I had a distinct advantage because he would let me get closer to him. You know what I mean? Like everybody else, he'd be kind of skeptical. Like, I don't know, this guy's trying to get me. But he was really, really good at pantsing people, man. And, and you know what I'm saying? I've seen him pants everybody from guys to girls, man. They all get it. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Maybe in this day and age, it's probably not appropriate to say that, right? But, you know, they were they played the game, too. You know what I mean? All the girls they were involved, they played the game, too. I seen them get them all. So he he would get the guys, the girl, whoever. Yeah, that's, that's man, listen, it, it was, you know, it was it was a lot of bad things we did, but we did, man. We did have a lot of fun as far as just being normal, you know, just doing normal things. You know, everything wasn't about loading up clips of guns and going out guns a blazing, you know, uh, you know, 95% of the day or maybe 90% of the day was uh, just about uh, us being around each other and hanging out and laughing. And a lot of the stories are from drinking and, you know, uh, you probably shouldn't have been doing as young as we were, but you know, that was the environment. And, and so, no, yeah, I appreciate you shedding light that, you know, yeah, we, we really were, we were, you know, we were human, man. We just yeah. fell, fell victim to the wrong things, I guess. All right. Well, with that, I think, this is probably a pretty good time to wrap the episode up unless you've got something else you want to talk about. No, it's perfect. Perfect timing. All right, cool. Well, thanks again, everybody for tuning in to the, this episode. Um, as always, if you have questions, comments or anything, you can reach out to us at normalized crime at gmail.com. Otherwise we will be back next week with a new episode. Thanks for tuning in to normalized crime. Stay tuned for the next episode.